Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rookrow. And today, we really are counting down to this year's Oscars. We will be sharing our final Oscar nomination predictions. We will be going through every category except for the shorts. We won't be predicting those, but every other major category, we will be sharing our predictions, getting into our reasoning, maybe some arguments and hope dicting along the way. I'm excited to get into this. I can't believe we're already here. I'm glad we're here. It's been quite a season and Oscar voting as of recording is now over. So I think it's exciting looking ahead and to next week and what's really going to happen. Are we going to get some surprises? I mean, yes, we are, but which ones will they be? And will we like them? And all of the fun, scary, exciting things we talk about during award season leading up to the Oscars. It's finally starting for real. It is. It's finally starting for real. And it's funny, like this is really my time because I always tend to love the Oscar nominations and then I don't like the winners. So this is my little happy period in time. But surely, I mean, something will happen that will upset me. But overall, I think I'm trying to just have fun with these predictions and I'm trying to take my heart out of them as much as I can. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot between ceremonies and winners already that it makes things confusing enough. And, you know, as the guild nominations come in and certain winners, even at this point, even though it's early, we'll mention those along the way. And yeah, really wanting some of our favorites to get in to win. I think at this point, similar to previous years, we know certain winners for better or worse, but still getting to talk about all the nominees and what has made them all so memorable this season is really the fun part. And yeah, this is where it all starts. Yeah. And just to chime in around like award shows we've already had in guilds, having the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards, it can show you things like momentum. But we should issue the reminder that those are not industry prizes. The people who vote for Critics' Choice and the people who vote for the Golden Globes, those are not industry voters. So just to keep that in mind, we haven't actually seen the industry weigh in yet outside of the guilds. So again, all this to say, let's get into our first category, animated feature. We have the Annie Awards here. That really is, I think, the big place where we first see those nominations come through. But my predictions here, I have, and I'm going in alphabetical order for these. I have The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We are four for five. I swapped Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem for your Robot Dreams. And I think just looking at the Annie Awards and the total nominations that we saw there, the leader was actually Nimona with nine amongst all of their different categories, which kind of surprised me because the big ones that we assumed would be nominees all season and we've seen show up in other ceremonies our Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with seven, The Boy and the Heron also with seven, and Elemental with six. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also had six. The only other one that I have as an alternative is Suzume, which had seven. So if we look at the five highest scoring Annie nominees, we actually have six here. So we could really just choose any five of those and it would be a really strong combination. 
Yeah. And I feel like if you want to be smart in your predictions, which I usually try to be, I'm kind of going out on a limb with robot dreams here just because I really enjoyed that one. And I think it has a lot of power in it. And I think that if it were the animators only voting, then I might say, let's just go with the Annie's straight across the board. I think it makes sense. But because it's open to the entire Academy, I don't know. There's something about robot dreams that makes me think like maybe that could appeal to the rest of the Academy. Um, I also think we need to maybe be aware of Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nuggets, which I know is not Netflix's big push even. And it was a little underwhelming especially for people who love Chicken Run, but it is Aardman and the Academy tends to love stop motion. So I wouldn't be surprised if it found its way in. Next, we have documentary feature. We have some precursors here, one being the IDA. Bobby Wine, the people's president, was the big winner here. We also saw the Eternal Memory and Four Daughters showing up. And the other one, the Cinema Eye Honors, 32 Sounds took their big prize with some of the other winners being The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters Again, still a Michael J. Fox movie, 20 Days in Mariupol, and Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project. So we have quite a few from the short list. But my predictions here are American Symphony, Beyond Utopia, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, and 20 Days in Mariupol. So we are three for five here, which is honestly pretty good for documentary feature. I think this category is one that can go any number of ways year to year. If I get zero out of five, it wouldn't be that surprising. But I have 20 Days in Mariupol, Beyond Utopia, and Four Daughters. And my additions here, I have Going to Mars, The Nikki Giovanni Project, and A Still Small Voice. Skipped, still the Michael J. Fox documentary. And I think that is just a case of that's the one that hits the precursors and then you see it miss when it comes to Oscar nomination morning. But when I look at the story around going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni project combined with its performance so far this season, that's why I'm going with that one. But I could see it either being that or Bobby Wine. I think I wouldn't be surprised with either. A still small voice, this is purely a feeling. Every year, there is one that is kind of a surprise that's off the wall. We have these movies that come up year to year where I just kind of get a feeling that maybe this is the one that we could see. I don't know. It's it's just something that's kind of been rattling around in my brain as the surprise possibility we could see. But I also wouldn't be shocked by Apollonia Apollonia as the surprise because I keep seeing that come up in places as well. Not in terms of awards, but just the poster and seeing people talk about it and share it. So I think this is a category where we can definitely expect surprises. The ones I'm more confident in right now, though, are the three that we share. I think that your five are definitely like the smarter. These are probably the five to go with. They make a lot of sense. But this is the branch that always just throws me. And I can see them going really any number of ways. And that means excluding American Symphony, even though it's appeared across the board in a number of places like song and score, for instance. 
that was a big reason why I had American Symphony is that it showed up on the shortlist in other categories and me thinking, well, like if this shows up in song, it's not just going to show up there. I feel like it would have more support. But I think also this year we had a lot of documentaries focusing on a person or people. And that's like Bobby Wine, American Symphony, The Eternal Memory, Going to Mars. So there are a lot of these and... I feel like those are the harder ones to get in as nominations. So me putting in American Symphony is just feeling that love for it and Netflix really trying to rally behind it. John Batiste, he's an Oscar winner and he's a big person in the industry and I feel like he's beloved too. So I will say I haven't seen a lot of these yet and yeah, I just kind of went for safety. I think my thing with American Symphony is does the music branch like John Batiste and the documentary branch? Next up, we have international feature. So this category is always interesting. I feel like this year, I wish we could expand it and, you know, include almost the entire short list because a lot of these movies are just great. This year at the Globes, we had Fallen Leaves, Io Capitano, Society of the Snow, The Zone of Interest, we can also look to the BAFTA long list for a little bit of guidance, but this is also a place where you can look at festivals and see how these films have performed as well. But my predicted nominees are 20 Days in Mariupol, Fallen Leaves, Society of the Snow, The Taste of Things, and The Zone of Interest. And we are four for five. I put in The Teacher's Lounge, which is Germany's film, instead of 20 Days in Mariupol. We do see this overlap quite a bit, and I know when we talked about the shortlist, there were a few films that showed up in different categories, so I don't necessarily feel super confident, but I remember seeing a lot of love for The Teacher's Lounge before voting started, and it's also one that I think its subject matter is pretty strong and allows for a lot of discussion. That's also where I look in my nominations is... These films are usually a bit, not necessarily graphic, but more dramatic and serious and political. And this movie is definitely that, but so is a movie about the Ukraine-Russia war. So there's a lot of leeway here, kind of like in documentary. Yeah, and that exact reasoning that you used is why I picked 20 Days in Mariupol. It's the subject matter. It's like the, the serious, hard-hitting topic. And it's so it's so timely that I can see voters going for it. And we do tend to see, especially recently, the double dip on documentary feature and international feature. So I thought that this was kind of the perfect case of that happening. But there are a lot of outcomes here that wouldn't surprise me. And that's what is scary and exciting about the category. I know that some people have been predicting Perfect Days, the Vim Vendors film, it's such a quiet film about one individual. Can I tell you my greatest fear of this category? Like the zone of interest doesn't get in? Society of the Snow beating the zone of interest. I really don't think that'll happen. It's also very early, but this could be that movie that shows up in multiple places to be worrisome, but I see why you're thinking that. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Glazer, he's not for everyone. I think it was this podcast where I described him as a cilantro director. You sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen Totem. That was on the shortlist for Mexico. We've seen that show up at different festivals. 
the monk and the gun, I still like am really rooting for from Bhutan. I know. Will that happen? I just keep, I'm like, will he get back to back with Luna and then the monk and the gun? I'm rooting for Godland. I don't think that'll happen. But another one that could double dip is for daughters. So yeah, I think you're right in saying this really could go anywhere. And it's going to come down to nomination morning. Next up is visual effects. This is another shortlist category. My predicted nominees here are Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Poor Things, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and Society of the Snow. We are three for five here. Instead of Godzilla Minus One and Poor Things, I have The Creator and, drumroll of death please, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. My reasoning for skipping poor things here is because it missed VES completely. It's nowhere to be found in the guild. And I know it might not be wise to pick Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse either. It's so rare for animated films to get in here, but I don't know. It did really well there, so I have hope for it to get a nomination. It had seven mentions with the Visual Effects Society. And that's the thing about the Visual Effects Society as well. Like we talk about in our draft every year, it's like Dune had how many nominations there. And that's how we knew that was part of the reason that we knew that Dune was going to be a major player in visual effects. And if you can't get in anywhere with the guild, that kind of worries me in the case of poor things. It feels like the only reason they would be voting for it is because it's a Best Picture nominee. This is the group that I feel most strongly about, I think, in terms of where we could see the support at the Bake Off. I would love, love, love if Godzilla Minus One got in, but I just am not sure about it and if it's just an internet thing. Godzilla Minus One is really the main one I want to see show up. This is usually the category where come nomination morning, I have the most movies I haven't already seen. My reason for choosing Poor Things was because they do love a Best Picture nominee showing up here. It is strange that it had zero. I mean, even Napoleon showed up at VES, and that's on the short list. But looking on Twitter to see if there were any comments about the Bake Off, Spider-Man was the one that kept showing photos from different people. So I'm really hoping that'll show up even though the first movie Into the Spider-Verse didn't show up in visual effects either. That was only an animated feature. This won't be the last time I mention that movie today, but yeah, there's a lot of variety here. And it means I will finally watch The Creator, possibly. (laughs) But Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, just a moment on this. I really am going for it just because of the de-aging. I can see them focusing on that throughout the the bake-off. So animated into the guild. So we'll see. Next category is one of our favorites. We have original song, our precursors and guilds here. We have the Society of Composers and Lyricists and the HMMAs. My predictions, I have (laughs) The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot, Road to Freedom from Rustin, I'm Just Ken from Barbie, It Never Went Away from American Symphony, and What Was I Made For from Barbie. We are four for five. I have Keep It Moving from The Color Purple instead of It Never Went Away from 
American Symphony, which is kind of funny because we have these swapped versus our documentary where you have where I have American Symphony in and you don't, but you went with the song. Yeah, I just thought it made sense in the music branch where they've proven their love for John Batiste before. And the documentary branch can be a bit snooty and finicky. So it just kind of made sense as a song nomination. I'm curious what you think of the color purple because I have the color purple getting one nomination on the day and that doesn't even feel safe to me, honestly. It is. And I don't know. I felt like, yes, Danielle Brooks is feeling pretty strong, but if it were to show up anywhere else, maybe it would be here. I have it in at least one other category. I can't remember how many more, but looking at the guilds, we had... A few winners already with the HMMAs that showed up in the Society of Composers and Lyricists nominations. And those were Can't Catch Me Now from The Hunger Games and What Was I Made For from Barbie, which that one we expected. I'm not really sure what to make of The Hunger Games because I partly expected that to show up in visual effects and it didn't on the shortlist. And there were a lot of other of the shortlisted nominees also showing up at these guilds so it's really hard to say this is kind of one where they throw in a best picture nominee too and maybe the color purple will even show up there i i don't think so but you know it could happen and then we see it in multiple other categories or we see a song like quiet eyes which was nominated at the hmmas from past lives show up randomly like the song that we wouldn't expect. Yeah. I was also thinking that for Wajaje, the Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon mm-hmm. song, like that could appear to surprise us. I also just wonder if there's a world where we only see one song from Barbie or we see Dance the Night <laughs> instead of I'm Just Ken. I do think that I'm Just Ken win at the Critics' Choice is more of like a boys club kind of thing. I don't think that's going to happen at the Oscars, but I think Hope Dicting... Dua Lipa to be at the Oscars or have to perform (laughs) is more unlikely, but would I love to see it? Of course. It would be so incredible. I just want it to happen so badly. (laughs) Next up, we have original score. In terms of precursors, those are the same. The Society of Composers and Lyricists and the HMMAs. My predicted nominees are The Boy and the Heron, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Spider-Man Across the (laughs) Spider-Verse. Okay, so we overlap on three, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and The Boy and the Heron. Instead of Poor Things and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I have Barbie and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Which one should I start with? (laughs) Um, Because these are both, they probably seem like outside picks, but this is a category where We really can see anything happen. I think there are a number of contenders who can make it in. The reason why I got rid of Poor Things is because this movie, this score specifically, is by a first-time composer, Jerskin Fendrix, who has not been recognized by a guild. So Poor Things missed HMMA and SCL. And I know that might not be like the end of the world, but I think we have to consider it for a branch that's a little bit more tight where they don't let a lot of newcomers in often. And that score is a little out there. It's very kooky. And I don't know how well it plays outside of the movie. 
In Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, it's just a feeling. It's I don't know if they're going to go with two animated films. I don't know if they're going to let Daniel Pemberton into the club. He hasn't been nominated in score before. He's only been nominated for original song for The Trial of the Chicago 7, weirdly enough. So I'm just uncertain about an animated sequel finding its way in here by a composer who hasn't been recognized before. I am uncertain if The Boy and the Heron is just a hope diction or something that I actually believe can happen, but I just, I think that that score is so beautiful, and with the Academy becoming more international, I'm hoping that it's recognized here. Barbie, I'm going out on a limb that it's the support for the movie is going to be overwhelming. I think it, it could max out with nominations and do really, really well, and score is a place where I could see that pop up. Mark Ronson is a previous winner, not in this category, in original song, but I I could I could see it. And he's been campaigning that score too. And Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, this is just me being pessimistic and seeing the name John Williams and knowing that he makes it in for every single Star Wars movie and everything that he does. So I just I kind of feel like they could name check here. Yeah, that's my worry. Because we have so many other strong candidates. You know, we didn't mention The Zone of Interest by Mika Levy, who won at the HMMAs, along with Killers of the Flower Moon and Spider-Man. So we have so many options. This is the short list of 15 that we already got, but trying to find a five that feels right is nearly impossible. <laughs> the only two that I feel good about are Killers and Oppenheimer. Yeah. The Boy and the Heron for me is the hope diction. It's just something I won't let go until nomination morning because I really want to see it. You know, your explanation for Daniel Pemberton or Jerskin is the same for Joe Hisaichi here. But I really want it to happen. I just hope that they recognize him because he's been working for so long, Mm -hmm. too. He has, like, the resume and the score is just so beautiful. If you're going on pure merit, which we know these are actually never about anyway, <laughs> it would be really hard not to recognize that score. If we're looking at Best Picture nominees, another movie to keep in the back of your head is American Fiction, where if the support is so big and it shows up in acting and a lot of the big categories, but maybe in some text as well, this could be one of them. Because it did make the shortlist for Laura Cartman, so I wouldn't necessarily be surprised there either. That's a really good point, actually, because that score is also, it's good, and its use in the movie is pretty inventive, like thinking about how the different themes are used near the ending, where the different endings are constructed, Mm -hmm. so I could see that. I love the Saltburn score. I listen to it regularly, and that's been appearing places, too, so we'll, we'll see if the Academy goes for that movie. I may be talking about it later. Okay, Next, we have Best Sound. The overlap with the Oscar long list that we have here, we have CAS, the Cinema Audio Society, and MPSE, which are the Motion Picture Sound Editors. Those are the two guilds to pay attention to when it comes to Best Sound. So we'll talk about those when we're going through our nominees, but my predicted nominees are Ferrari, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Maestro, and The Zone of Interest. And those are my predicted nominees as well for five for five. Part of me wanted to put in Barbie because with the MPSC, Barbie had two nominations 
which was the same argument you presented for score. And I'm like, if they really love it, we could see it show up in a category that I really didn't expect it to. Honestly, I kind of think it's happening. I didn't put it down, but like the more and more I think about it, the thing about Barbie that we're going to be talking about this entire episode is that people have been doubting this movie since it was announced that it was coming out. People have been doubting it every single step of the way. But time and time again, this movie has proven us wrong. It has shown up in every single guild that it needs to, except for ASC. So there's something going on here. When you look at the picture, it's unwise to doubt the love for this movie in the industry. So it could be here. It's hard to decide what it replaces because I think like the zone of interest, for instance, like I'm very passionate about the sound work in that movie and I really hope that it makes it in. Maybe Ferrari doesn't get in. Yeah, I think it could definitely happen. The more and more I think about it, I'm getting closer to predicting it. And looking at the guilds, we do have five overlaps. Barbie, Ferrari, Killers, Maestro, and Oppenheimer. I didn't really want to keep Ferrari in. I actually did want to switch that with Barbie. But I feel like if (laughs) you're voting just based on the idea of the movie, you know, Ferrari is about Formula One racing. And I think the trailer even is indicative of that. So I think it's easier to vote for and something it's campaigned for versus Barbie is in those bigger categories. Yes, it's across the board, but I haven't seen any... FYC ads for sound for Barbie, for instance, but it is showing up again. So it's hard to say the zone of interest here is just something that I've wanted since May and I'm not taking this out. So I'm hoping it shows up and I hope we get to talk about (laughs) it, but I feel less confident about that being one of the movies that didn't overlap that and the killer were only at MPSC. The fact that the killer isn't in Ferrari's place is really upsetting Mm -hmm. because the work in the killer is some of the best sound work of the entire year, and it should be in conversation to get one of those five spots. Yeah, it should. And, you know, with the draft, I'm still happy I chose the killer over Ferrari. I don't know why that was my decision (laughs) at the time, but... (laughs) fine even if it doesn't show up i still support it next up we have makeup and hairstyling this is another category that was on the shortlist we only had 10 shortlisted nominees but with the guild there were only four that overlapped which were golda maestro which had three nominations oppenheimer and poor things with two so my predictions here i have killers of the flower moon maestro oppenheimer Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. Okay, we are four for five. I do not have Killers of the Flower Moon. I have a movie that I will inevitably have to watch for the first time when these nominations come out, Golda. (laughs) Just what a bizarre inclusion. I don't know. Like, is this one of those movies that has one Oscar nomination and it's because of this? So, like, the makeup and hairstyling category and costume design like those are places or visual effects where you will see oh here's this random movie that we haven't heard about all year that suddenly has an oscar nomination because the people in that specific branch are voting for me golda is just like it's that classic example of that and 
It's transforming a major actress in Helen Mirren. She's, you know, unrecognizable. You have to think of any time that comes up, that's makeup work that we could see. And that's that's why it's my pick. I think the work in Killers of the Flower Moon is more more subtle, but I think like if they just go with a best picture, you know, nominee, that could make sense. I'm also just curious about things like The Last Voyage of the Demeter and Bo is Afraid. Bo is Afraid has some really good aging work in it. And Last Voyage of the Demeter, it's cool when they recognize horror movies. Horror movies should always be recognized in makeup and hairstyling. Will they do it, though? I don't know. So that's why I'm going with Golda. But the other four I feel good about. Society of the Snow in particular, only because it showed up in so many other shortlisted categories. That also made me think of wound makeup, like all quiet. Sometimes we see that come up in the category. We'll see war films or we'll see disaster films pop up. And it's because of that sort of Mm -hmm. injury related makeup, which is very good in Society of the Snow. Yeah, I was just thinking like it's doing more than Nyad is. So that's probably why it showed up instead of that. But I think all of its work is really good. I mean, I wanted to put this in, so I'm happy it's here. And probably your golden inclusion is right. I just am (laughs) staying safe. I put in killers just because, you know, it will have a lot of support in other categories too. So I don't know. Sometimes we do see... Like with Barbie and sound, for instance, like things that we wouldn't necessarily expect, but the overwhelming support kind of pushes it in. Next up, we have costume design. Our guild here is the CDG, Costume Designers Guild. They break things up into three categories, contemporary, period, and sci-fi fantasy. My predicted nominees are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. We are four for five. I have the color purple instead of maestro. Why? I think only because if the color purple should be nominated anywhere, it should be here. It's a part of the movie that I really loved. And I mean, maestro isn't the wrong pick because a lot of those technicals are very strong. You know, looking at the overlap with makeup and hairstyling, maestro could be one of those. But yeah, the color purple didn't show up at the CDG, so I could very much be wrong here. I know, like it missing the guild, that was the big thing for me, just because I had had it in for a really long time, but there's just no reason it should be missing the guild, and it's missing all these places. So I kind of just feel like if Maestro or Oppenheimer miss, because I'm confident about like Barbie and Poor Things, those are at the top, like phenomenal costumes in both of those movies killers of the flower moon i think is right below it oppenheimer am i being biased because i want to wear all of the suits and everything that emily blunt wears maybe but i think there's enough like i think it's a volume thing that i feel confident in and i think even though it's mostly suiting there's a lot of variety and inspiration in the suits so this is going to be one of those times where i'm pulling for a random oppenheimer nomination and then with maestro See, I kind of think if anything misses, it might be Mark Bridges for Maestro for Napoleon. Mm -hmm. That's like the big question mark for me is just where is Napoleon going to be? Is it going to be a House of Gucci where it doesn't appear and that's that? Or like, will we see it in costume design? Will we see it in production design? Is it getting into sound? Like, are these things that could happen that would 
surprise us and show strength for the movie? I don't know. I didn't predict it because I find the work in the other films stronger and I think their overall support is stronger, but I could see it happening. The other movie that we could show up randomly here is Wonka. I think that's an easier costume pick, that and Napoleon, over something like Oppenheimer or Maestro or The Color Purple, but it's not something I wanted to do. Yeah, I don't feel great about picking all potential Best Picture nominees here, but it's fine. We'll see what happens. Next up, we have production design. Our guilds, we have the Art Directors Guild and the Set Decorators Society of America. There's a lot of overlap here, and they also split this up into different categories. With the ADG, we have period, fantasy, and contemporary. And then the SDSA, we have contemporary, period, fantasy, sci-fi, and comedy musical. My predicted nominees here are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Okay, and we are four for five. Instead of Maestro, I have Asteroid City. Okay, I think that's smart too. And I know that the Academy has soured on Wes Anderson in a similar way that you have. Not really going for his stuff recently, but I think that Asteroid City production design as its one nomination makes sense. It should be getting in other places too, but production design, I think, is a worthy place for it. Adam Stockhausen, let's get him a nomination. And like costume design, I think we have Barbie and Poor Things out front here. But my pick for the win would be Killers of the Flower Moon, Jack Fisk, beautiful work. And then Ruth DeJong for Oppenheimer. She's his protege. She studied under him. And I love that. I think you can see it in her work, too. So with Wes, why I didn't include him, I think he's very close. And I almost put Asteroid City in. But I really wish he would have shown up. Adam Stockhausen for the French Dispatch and that didn't show up anywhere so that's my only worry here is that you know these one-off nominations for these movies aren't going to happen and it's just going to mirror what happened there even though it was brilliant I really wanted to see it there cinematography it's just stunning work and I think the set is so important to the film that if it does show up I won't be surprised the only reason I have Maestro is that It's in other categories. It kind of reminded me like the Fablemans and how Spielberg talked about making those houses like his childhood homes. And with Maestro, they used the Bernstein property and they filmed there. So I felt like using the actual estate might help it along with the cathedral and certain other moments that are really memorable for where they are and certain design choices in the frame. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see Maestro happening. You and I have both done it on different categories where we've predicted five Best Picture nominees. And I'm just always hesitant to do that yeah. because these are the places where it's like, oh, we get the one one nominee Napoleon or Asteroid City or The Color Purple or Wonka or something like that. But I think the good news about the category about production design is these are all really strong. Like I love... All five of mine that I picked, and Mm -hmm. yours too. Okay, we're getting into some big ones here. Next, we have cinematography, our guild here. We have the ASC. We also have BSC, which is British Society of Cinematographers. We also have the Camera Image, the Golden Frog Award, but we didn't see any overlap with the Golden Frog this year in terms of the feature film category. Uh, My predicted nominees are Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, 
Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. We are four for five. I put in Barbie instead of Maestro. Tell me more. <laughs> double Prieto. I would love to see the double nomination. I don't know. If I felt Maestro wavering. And yes, it did show up with a guild, which is really strong. There usually is three or four overlapping from ASC. But this is one where I was like, you know, the love for Barbie and the look of the movie. Yes, that's in the production design. But so much of it is camera work, too. That when I rewatch it, or even just thinking back to it, I don't have to have it on, but you can see the clarity and just the vision, Greta's vision, Prieto's work on it, and I can't deny the craft here, and I think it really could show up. This is one, you know, I don't think we're going to see El Conde, but putting in the zone of interest is something that is also showing a lot of support and is a stunning a scarily stunning piece of work. And that's more of a hope diction. So is Barbie. But again, Barbie is the bigger film. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Like, I don't I don't think it's a bad prediction by any means. I think we could absolutely see it happening. For me, if Lukas Zal got in, that would be just such an exciting nomination. And he's pulled it off before he got in for Cold War. And I think the work in the zone of interest actually reminds me a lot of Florian Hoffmeister getting in last year for Tar. You know how I tell you, it's so funny because I love Barbie, but you know, I usually don't like bright colors. I like my muted tones and the zone of interest, like the, the Mm -hmm. pal, the color palette is just so pleasing to me that I just like, oh, like I love that, the look of it so much. And it reminds me of how I felt about Tar. So I really, I'm like thinking of those kind of as a similar, Mm -hmm. similar pair in a way, just thinking back to back with nominations. But I mean, I think our giants here, like Prieto for Killers, like that is just incredible work. Hoyte van Hoytema for Oppenheimer. Um, I think what's interesting too is how many have black and white sections. So that's also part of the reason I included Maestro, Um, the black and white and the color. It's just very flashy sparkling work and sometimes i think we see that recognized here but another good group i mean i I like all of these in terms of cinematography next we have film editing our precursor and guild the american cinema editors the nominations for those come out the 25th so after nominations are announced but my predictions here are barbie The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Okay, so we are four for five. I don't have Poor Things, and I did a big swing here. I'm going with Anatomy of a Fall. I think that the support behind that movie is growing. It was happening during voting, too. I feel like we just, in a similar way to Barbie, we keep seeing signs that this movie is doing really well that we can't ignore, and... The editing in this movie is flawless. The pacing of the movie really works. It doesn't drag at all. We have really, really interesting use of sound in the movie, too, and the way that that interacts with it. I think this could show the overall strength of that movie if we see it getting in here. And something like Poor Things, there's nothing to me about that editing that really stands out. 
And I think usually they'll go for one of the ace comedy picks. And I think that's Barbie. I mean, I think Barbie's editing is stronger than the editing in Poor Things. And it's also, they have entire musical sequences, which really helps. And I also just kind of feel like the holdovers is happening. Well, that was my question is, I'm surprised you took out Poor Things instead of the holdovers for Anatomy. Um, I think that the editing in the holdovers is stronger. So I think like that's part of it. But I also think that the pacing and the story structure of Poor Things doesn't entirely work. I think it's a bit a bit odd in how it feels. Whereas the holdovers, this just feels like that classic nomination that's a, sh- a sign of strength for the movie. And yeah, I just I think I just feel more confident in the holdovers appearing here. Which I hope. And I think possible above the line wins based on the ceremonies we've seen already, which I, again, haven't expected, haven't entertained but if it happens, I'm going to cry. I'm just, I'm going to lose it. When I introduced the idea of Dave Vinejoy Randolph winning a while back, you're like, don't do this. Don't do this this early. <laughs> I mean, she has some sort of record going on for winning like every single award, which is insane, but I love it. With the holdovers, I love the dissolve cuts. I think the timing of the movie, the pacing, everything plays perfectly. That's why I love it so much. Poor Things does feel a tad long. And when I saw it with friends, that's what they were complaining about. If we're looking at longer films, you know, that would be Poor Things and Anatomy. Would I like to see them both in? Sure. I think Anatomy 2, the editing, is a crucial part of the movie. And I love to see when that happens. So, yeah, I think the Golden Globe win for Anatomy really shocked me. You know, getting to see Trier give two speeches was amazing. It's a movie, again, like The Zone of Interest, since May I've been wanting this, but this is something I'm much more scared of based on it not showing up in other shortlisted categories. Would Anatomy have shown up there anyway? Probably not, but this would be a great five. Again, great, great nominations. It's so funny that you mentioned the long films and you didn't mention Oppenheimer or Killers of the Flower Moon, (laughs) which I think speak to Jennifer Lame and Thelma Schoonmaker's talent as editors. Yeah, I well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the three-hour-plus movies, but they feel warranted in that way, too. I don't know. Those feel more like locks anyway. But yeah, I guess I didn't even <laughs> think about that when I <laughs> so was funny. listing them. Oops. <laughs> All right, next we have a category that I think might be pretty easy. We have Adapted Screenplay. Our WGA here, those nominations don't come out until February 21st. So we have a long, a long way away until we get WGA. But the big news that happened since our last Oscar-focused recording was that Barbie moved from original screenplay to adapted screenplay. So all that to say, my five predicted nominees are American Fiction, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer and Poor Things. We are five for five. I don't think Barbie moving changes anything in certain predictions. It's like the fifth nominee, which is really shocking to me. I think the big win recently was American Fiction. So it definitely does have competition, but it's hard to say where it fits amongst the five right now. Yeah, I I don't know why WGA is so late this year. Their ceremony isn't until April. Like, after the Oscars. 
So I don't know how those are going to play into the Oscars because we'll have the nominations before the ceremony. And I'm curious if that affects how things play out because my alternative here is All of Us Strangers, which I keep seeing Mm -hmm. show up for Andrew Scott and in screenplay. Those are its biggest chances. And I wouldn't be surprised if it swapped out with something, but it's just hard to say because the other ones are such strong candidates for adapted work too. I was going to say, what does it take out? I I couldn't switch it, so I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I feel badly for when Barbie moved those bubble contenders, like all of us strangers or are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, which I think are just really inventive works of adaptation. Like all of us strangers completely changes its source material in ways that fit so well with Andrew Hayes' vision. And Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret is a perfect adaptation. No notes. So, yeah, it's it's sad, but I just don't, I don't know what I would bump mm-hmm. out. Next up, we have original screenplay. And my predicted nominees here are Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, and Past Lives. Okay, I feel like I keep going out on a limb here in some of these categories, having a little fun. We're four for five. I do not have Maestro. I have Saltburn here. And my reasoning is this. So I think actually this could we could see a couple of things here. We could see Air get in instead. That's very much a possibility. But I have Saltburn because I think when we think about original screenplay, this is a place where we see... Some off-the-wall contenders get in, or we'll see a single nomination for a film happen. And I think that a lot of people who are talking about Maestro, whether it's extends to the industry or not, I'm not sure, cite the screenplay as a weaker part of the film. I think they're talking about the performances, they're talking about the text, they're not really talking about the writing. And I just don't know how strong Maestro is. I just am not, I'm not sure. And I think I'm just going to go with a buzzy movie that's written by a previous winner in the category with Saltburn. This is the first time we've mentioned Saltburn getting in though. Like, is this the movie with one (laughs) nomination? (laughs) That's the only thing that worried me here. Like, I wish I could move the adapteds around here because... I know. This seems a little bit more fluid. Well, there are also stronger bubble contenders in Adapted than there are in Original. In Original, like, we're seriously talking about Air getting a nomination, (laughs) as opposed to something like, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, or All of Us Strangers. Like, that's what's happening here. (laughs) So, it's a shame. But Maestro, for me, this comparison may make no sense, but I'm getting Mank vibes. When Mank got a lot of those nominations in the craft categories, we saw it get in, you know, in supporting actress after we weren't sure about that. We saw David Fincher get into director, but we didn't see the screenplay come through and it felt odd. I don't know. My ideal pick instead of Maestro would be Origin, which is funny because Francis Fisher retweeted my Origin tweet and we've seen a lot of campaigning from her and I saw a photo You know, she's with other friends, but namely Andrea Riseborough. So that's just a question. I mean, the overwhelming campaigning Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it did for her last year. But if that happened, I would not be mad in the least. I think the screenplay and the adaptation of it is wild. 
I guess I'm unsure of the placement in original because it is based on a book called Cast, which is what the movie really defined. I, I don't know. It's so brilliant how Ava used that to make this film. It is. We are seeing this groundswell of support for Origin. Like Angelina Jolie hosted a screening and I would not be upset at all if Anjanu Ellis Taylor made it in or we saw Origin on ballots. I just wonder if the effort was concentrated enough. I mean, Frances Fisher wasn't able to like whip votes like she could last time. <laughs> but has so, she like oh. share tweeted about this movie? Holland Taylor, like how are they seeing this and <laughs> what is her placement in all this? Yeah. It's crazy. It really is. <laughs> So, okay, next category we have supporting actor. Our big guild here is the Screen Actors Guild. We had those nominations. My predicted nominees here in alphabetical order are Willem Dafoe, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, and Mark Ruffalo. We are four for five. My difference is Charles Melton instead of Willem Dafoe. That feels reversed, but... I would love to see them both get in. You know, Willem did get nominated at SAG. Charles didn't. May, December is definitely one of those bubble films that I hope it shows up in. I I know we both do. But the double nomination, you know, from Poor Things, is that the one double we have? I don't know. I mean, for a while I was like, am I crazy? Like, is Matt Damon getting in for Oppenheimer? Like, I truly just didn't know. I was trying trying to think of what it is. And... You know, it's so hard because I can see I would love for Charles Melton to get in. And there was a point in time where I felt secure in that possibly happening. And I shouldn't have been because of how they react to Todd Haynes films, typically in the Academy. But it just scares me because he didn't even make the BAFTA long list. And uh, I just worry that this is a critics thing. And... I went with the Double Poor Things nominees here because I'm just not sure. I could see a scenario where really anything happens. And because I just don't know Mark Ruffalo or Willem Dafoe, like, will it be one or will it be the other? I just went with both. Maybe it's a bad sign that Poor Things didn't get into Ensemble and Mark Ruffalo missed because that's a very loud, actor-friendly performance. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like... The Academy loves Defoe. He got in for At Eternity's Gate. Yeah. And he is my favorite part of Poor Things. So maybe it's me just thinking I want him to get in. But I just went with them because I'm just, I don't trust the Academy to go with Melton here. Neither do I. The other alternative from SAG is that Sterling K. Brown shows up. Again, if there's a lot of love for American fiction and it shows up here, that's something that is very possible. Yeah, it's, that's... That nomination is something I also just kind of keep forgetting about because in my head it's always been, oh, Sterling K. Brown, if he gets in, it's going to be a SAG thing. It's not going to be an Oscar thing. So I don't know. I feel weird. Mm -hmm. I feel weird about this category. Next, we have Supporting Actress. My predicted nominees here are Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks, Jodie Foster, Julianne Moore, and Divine Joy Randolph. We are four for five. I don't have Julianne Moore, and I have Penelope Cruz for Ferrari instead. Now, I know it might sound 
silly because I just skipped Charles Melton for saying he didn't make the BAFTA long list and neither did Penelope Cruz. But Penelope Cruz is a much more, I think, well-established actress than Charles Melton is. Like, she's a previous winner and she... We've seen her do this before. Like, there's precedent for her appearing. Parallel Mothers, she did it. And her performance in Ferrari... Some people are citing it as the best thing in the movie and people who don't even like the movie, like Penelope Cruz in it. And like me. I think I'm just going with this. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See? <laughs> She's giving like an old school classic Hollywood actress performance mm-hmm. that I can see the actor's branch really going for that I really enjoyed when I was watching the movie. So I'm just going with the SAG five here just to play it safe. But this category is very fluid, I think. I loved Penelope in this movie. It really is the only thing I liked about it. And I had her in for the longest time because of the praise from Venice after it premiered. I thought, ooh, that's an Oscar thing that could happen, even if we don't expect it. I think Julianne, having shown up at other ceremonies along the way, not at SAG, obviously, but I'm still holding out some hope for her. Is she the sole nomination for the movie? I don't know. I think she could be. You know, if it were that in screenplay, I'd feel a bit more confident. But even her, I mean, the Academy does like her enough. I wish she were nominated for Magnolia, but she is a previous winner as well. So I think, yeah, swapping them is fair. I love Julianne Moore. Of these picks, she'd probably be my winner. I love her in May-December. I think it's a perfect performance. But I just, I don't know. I'm scared for May-December. I also think Danielle Brooks is maybe more vulnerable than people are thinking. Because that movie, I mean, she has gotten in where she needs to get in. But that also feels like a classic hit everywhere, miss Oscars. It happens every year to someone. But she hasn't won like we've expected her to, at least somewhere. Yeah. All right. On to Best Actor. Our precursor here, we also have SAG. My predicted nominees here are Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio, Paul Giamatti, Killian Murphy, and Jeffrey Wright. We are four for five. I've been hope dicting Coleman Domingo ever since I saw Rustin, and I have him in over Jeffrey Wright. You know, my whole American fiction argument kind of negating myself here, but... It's just a performance I really love, and we've only mentioned Rustin before in original song, so that an actor feels very weird and unlikely, but Coleman is also very loved in the industry, and I'm hoping that just carries him over to finally get nominated. I mean, I think it's possible. Leonardo DiCaprio missed SAG, so I I guess it's possible he could miss at the Oscars. I just think people love Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Like, he gets in for a drama pretty much all the time. So I just, I don't know. I Then there's part of me who wants to put Andrew Scott in mm-hmm. because I just love that performance. But I just can't come up with the logical reasoning behind that. So I know it would be just me saying, I want this to happen. And why can't it? Yeah. But it's going to be five people within the group that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. There isn't someone coming from outside into this yeah next we have an actress precursor we had sag our golden globe winners were lily gladstone and emma stone they are two of my predicted nominees here along with sandra uller carrie mulligan and margot robbie 
We are five for five. No differences. I think that there's a possibility that we see Annette Benning. I think people need to be ready for that. But I feel pretty confident in this group. I can't really see Margot Robbie missing, to be honest. I know that people think she's going to miss uh, maybe for someone like Greta Lee, maybe for Annette Benning, even. But for me, I just, she is Barbie. She was nominated for Bombshell. Like, they, they like her. And we can't use the Babylon example because they didn't like Babylon. Mm. So I just, I kind of feel like she's in. The thing about Sandra is that she couldn't have shown up at SAG. So that isn't like, a, oh my God, she wasn't nominated. She couldn't have been there. And Annette was always going to be there. So there could be some overlap. You know, we mentioned Anjanue Ellis Taylor earlier. That's my like hope diction. I would love to see Greta Lee too, but past lives isn't overperforming like I want it to. So that's my worry there is that it doesn't really show up in a ton of above the lines. We can talk about the other possibility in the next category, but I feel pretty confident here. I think this is the most confident I felt in any of the categories today is this five. I'm still wondering if there's a a chance that Sandra Huller can win. I would love it. It's been percolating. All right. Are we ready for best director? Our guild here, we have the DGA, the Directors Guild of America. They announced their nominations last week. My predicted nominees are in order, alphabetical order by film, which is how they will do it. Mm. The morning of, which will really add to the suspense based on who I've predicted. (laughs) (laughs) I have Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. I'm going to have to have my list ready based on movies. Yeah, this does always throw me and see like who's left in those seconds between reading the nominees. But we are four for five. I have Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things instead of Justine Trier. Initially in the doc, I had like three people listed and I had no idea which one. You know, I just mentioned past lives. I was like, could Celine Song show up? Alexander Payne was in for DGA for the holdovers. I would love for that too but i don't really feel confident about that i don't think that'll be the overlap but jonathan glazer didn't show up there and i have him in too i would love for that to happen so there are a number of things here one i think that alexander payne could absolutely get in i feel like maybe we're being short-sighted not putting him in because it's been a while since he's been he's been nominated, but the Academy really likes him. He's been recognized here before. So we really, I think, need to consider that, especially if we're thinking of the holdovers as a top-tier contender. I mean, we could have winners in original screenplay, best actor, and best supporting actress, and that's kind of a lethal combination. Like we're getting very close to top of the list with the, with that mm-hmm. combination. And getting an editing nomination, like if that happens, yeah. I don't have many reasons for why they wouldn't go with Payne here. I don't want to see him here um, (laughs) compared to our other people we have listed. It might be unwise for me to have Lanthimos being the one missing instead of Greta Gerwig, to be honest. I'll try to talk through my list. First, I'll say that the only person I am confident in is Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. That's it. There's a part of me that's scared about Scorsese because... 
I think of him as my grandpa, and I think that he should win the category this year, even though I know that's not going to happen. I still worry that they could take him for granted because and not realize that they're going to regret it if they don't recognize him while he's still here with us. But okay, so I feel, you know, like Nolan and Scorsese feel good about them. Jonathan Glazer, to me, when I watched this film for the first time, I just thought to myself, this is a directorial achievement that is undeniable. Like there's no, there's no way, no way that the director's branch doesn't go for this movie. It is just impeccably made and so creative and so out there and inventive. And it's also, it also happens to be a quote unquote important film. Justine Trier, I put her in here because last year I said over and over and over again that Ruben Östlund was getting in for the Triangle of Sadness because he won the Palme d'Or and that movie kept showing up in places and it dominated the European Film Awards. What is Anatomy of a Fall doing? The same exact thing, but more. (laughs) So I just kind of feel like this group, they've gotten more international. I read this IndieWire article where they were interviewing a ton of filmmakers and asking them what their favorite movie of the year was. Anatomy of a Fall had more mentions than Oppenheimer. More mentions than Killers. Like it was Anatomy of a Fall that the filmmakers were talking about. And yeah, it's just one article, but I just kind of feel like if that is the sentiment among filmmakers, she's here. And then Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig. Um, I think that everyone needs to pre-grieve, as Roman Roy would say, her potential miss here. That could happen. I don't want it to, but it, it's possible. But for me, I think that the strength of the movie overall, the fact that it just keeps doing better than we expect here and there, like I think she's in. And I think the amount of filmmakers that have shown support for this movie time and time again, like Todd Field and Jordan Peele and James Cameron, like all of these filmmakers having interviews with her and singing Barbie's praises, that's that's got to count for something. And I've seen and heard all of the arguments about this film being too much of a populist film. And I get that. But a comparison that I've made to this movie since August is to a film I didn't like, actually. And that's Todd Phillips with Joker. He made a billion dollar movie that's IP that is inspired by works outside of traditional IP that he was very vocal about. He did all of the roundtables and he made it into a director. And I think if Todd Phillips can make it into a director for Joker, Greta Gerwig can for Barbie. That's my example I'm going with. It's not perfect, but I think it makes sense. Makes sense to me. And maybe it's unwise to kick Lanthimos out, but that's what I'm going with right now. I think those are all great reasons. You know, one more person to add on to the Greta Gerwig train is Jane Campion. When I saw that on the FYC ad, I was like, oh my God. And she just won. So I feel like there is so much support for her and the movie. You know, it's it being one of the big players, it really does come down to Barbenheimer, which is great. And with Lanthimos, you know, poor things winning at the Globes. He was nominated before for the favorite. So he's kind of similar to Gerwig in the sense that they've been nominated for screenplay and directing before i feel like the favorite had a lesser chance of winning picture and now i'm feeling steam building for poor things not necessarily as a winner but for the support behind it and i think if that's happening i feel more confident in lanthimo showing up these are all strong potential nominees 
But I think having a heavy international influence is something we really have to look at. Does Lanthimos count as our international pick? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, a. it really is going to be like a game time decision for me putting him in because it does make sense. He makes a lot of sense as a nominee with this branch. The look of his films, while I do not find it appealing, like the fisheye lens, I just, I'm sorry. I think it, it it's a look and it aligns with what this group goes with. So I'm not saying that my five are like tight by any means. They're not. And I'll probably end up putting Lanthimos in at the last second. I just, I think, yeah, he, he definitely appeals to the international part of the Academy. Okay. It's our last category. Best picture. Our precursor and guild, the PGA, the nominations came out. We have SAG Ensemble. We had our Golden Globe winners, Oppenheimer and Poor Things. My predicted nominees align 10 for 10 with the PGA, which rarely, if ever, happens. But those are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. We are 10 for 10, which again, like you said, it feels weird, but it's also weird that the PGA went for films like Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest. Mm -hmm. And to me, again, like that just signals that those movies are loved and we need to keep an eye out for them in other places. Also, just saying, this would be a really good Best Picture lineup. There are movies that I like on here less than others, but... None that are like don't look up or movies like that that I think are just like totally abysmal dumpster films. And a great 10. I think narrowing this down to five would be really hard just because everything is so strong. It really is. If this is what it is, one of my favorites of all time. It's definitely one of the best that we've we've had in a long time. Well, we will see if these 10 come to be. We will find out on Tuesday when we get Oscar nominations Um, Since recording, we've also gotten nominations for BAFTA. So this was recorded pre-BAFTA, if you couldn't tell from the way we were talking about these nominations. So we might have some updates to them then. But next time on Oscar Wilde, we'll know what happens. We will be back with reactions to the Oscar nominations. That's always a fun episode filled with a lot of angst and excitement all at the same time. Yeah, I'll have all my papers ready and lots of crossings out and we'll see. I'm excited. I think talking about everything today, I don't know if I feel more confident (laughs) or more worrisome in places, but I think still, regardless, this is such a positive year for me in terms of movies overall. Like even the one-offs that we could see in certain categories aren't bad movies. So I think either way, the ones that we have to talk about, will talk about from here until the ceremony, it just makes things so much easier and lighthearted. Yeah, like I'm not angry about anything, which is a really rare feeling for me on these episodes. I feel like obviously I have my favorites, but I feel much calmer than normal. So um, when it comes to picking winners, maybe it'll be a different story. Mm -hmm. But actually, no, I think that we're in for a pretty, pretty good year and hopefully a fun award season. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you all for listening. Feel free to rate, review, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Oscar Wilde Pod. We have bonus content on patreon.com slash Oscar Wilde and more content, including updated nomination predictions at our website, oscarwilde.scorespace.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs>